Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight, and we're so glad to have you tuned in to today's program, whether you're listening by way of radio or on one of the social media sites, or even the Pathlight podcast. We're so glad to have you tuned in to today's today's, uh, program. In our area right now, at least, it's uh, becoming springtime. We're seeing the flowers begin to bloom and the trees beginning to bud, and life is seemingly coming back to nature, a wonderful time of the the year. This time of the year, they used to tell us when I was in school that uh, kids got spring fever. Well, it's it's not just kids. Sometimes adults get spring fever also. Uh, Maybe you're having a case of it yourself. You've been stuck inside all winter and now looking forward to getting outside and, and enjoying life on the outside as the days begin to warm up. We're going to be talking today about spring fever, and if you don't have spring fever, well, I might be sharing with you today some someone in the Bible who, well, who probably did. Right now, the tally trio is called The Debt, just before today's message. I watched as the soldiers laid the cross on his back that day I followed the bloodstained footprints he left as they led him away I witnessed the way he surrendered to nails through his hands and his feet like a lamb he was led to the slaughter what a horrible sight to see
everything Jesus went through on the cross was to pay for the debt that I owe. Indeed, that is true. Today we're discussing spring fever, and in your Bibles, I'd like to read to you, if I could, in the book of Genesis chapter number 8, and picking up in verse number 7. This is, of course, referring to Noah and the ark, and of course, it's been raining upon the earth, and the ark has been floating now for quite a while, and the Bible says, and he sent forth a raven, which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also, he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. Today we're talking about the subject of spring fever. Well, at least here in our area, if you're listening to this uh, uh, recording when it's uh, actually being recorded, we can say that over the next few weeks, we are going to experience a time of great change in this world. I'm speaking of the change of the season as this is springtime. This is resurrection season here in the, well, at least in the northern hemisphere, we're beginning to face spring. You know, I've often thought about the power associated with spring and how it's wonderful as a resurrection season. Can't you imagine the power? Now look, everything is powerful. Earthquakes are powerful. Hurricanes are powerful. Tornadoes and volcanoes, all these things are, are powerful. And I'm not saying the winter or the summer or the, or the fall is not, but there's something very powerful to me about springtime. Can, can you imagine the power it takes for every tree in the northern hemisphere to bud? Every tree, every blade of grass in the northern hemisphere, unless you're in some of the polar regions, is going to spring forth with green. Can, can, you, can you imagine that? Uh, can you can you imagine the expense it would be? We could hardly afford to heat our home this winter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the power it's going to take to warm up the entire northern hemisphere of our Earth? This is a powerful, powerful season of the year. And yet we're going to experience this power over the next few weeks, the change of the seasons. People are going to begin coming out of their shell, and they're they're going to be alive. They're going to be found taking trips to the beach and down to the lake, and lawnmowers and weed eaters are going to begin to fire up. Flowers are going to begin to bloom, and trees bring forth, and butterflies are going to grace our gardens, and the fireflies are going to make our evenings sparkle with their particular magic. Folks are going to change their attire, and I say that much to my dismay. Uh, so far as the way people dress, I got to admit I prefer the winter rather than seeing people walk around the way many people do in the in the summertime. But yet they they are going to change their attire. Even conservative dressers such as myself, you know, we may don the the uh, the golf shirt or the uh, or the short sleeve shirt instead of the 
the uh, winter uh, long sleeves and coats and sweaters and things like that. People are going to gather to the ball fields. They're going to watch their favorite player hit that winning home run, or they're going to go down to the park, and they're going to have picnics. Things are going to change. Why? Because it's springtime. It's springtime. This time of the year, this wonderful season of the year that we call spring. For some time now, we've, at least in our area, been in winter. I realize that people in uh, some of the northern states look down at places down here in the south and say, you folks don't know anything about winter. And, and maybe, maybe you're right about that. I know we don't know anything about it compared to some of you folks up in Michigan and New England and places like that, I understand. But yet for us, it's been cold. It's been dreary. Older folks have been afraid sometimes to go outside for the air has been so cold and they didn't want to run the risk of getting sick or taking a tumble on the ice or whatever the case might be. If you remember the scriptures, even Paul told Timothy he hoped he could make it before winter. On one occasion, he said, bring me the coat. Bring me my coat. I'm going to need my coat. Jesus said regarding the tribulation period to pray that your flight not be in winter. Remember that? So, so winter has these negative connotations, but now spring is on the scene. Now, now I got to admit, I like the winter. But I respect the fact that many people don't enjoy the colder months. I personally enjoy it. I look forward to winter. I like it. And, uh, but a lot of people don't. Now, maybe if I had to camp out in, uh, in Alaska, northern Alaska, or near the Arctic Circle or something year-round, I might not like it at all. But I, I like it here in eastern North Carolina. But, but most people don't. Many people don't. To them, it's just days of dark, dreary, miserable weather, one right after the other. And maybe that's you. You've been waiting several months for the return of warmer weather, and already you're taking notice of the flowers coming forth and the buds on the trees, and you await the first sighting of the robin, and you're smiling to the warm breezes that the springtime sun can bring. But even as there are physical seasons, we also face spiritual seasons as well. These are times when the sun beams upon our soul, almost causing us to wither a spiritual thirst. Then there are moments when we feel the change of spiritual autumn, when we feel the winds of life beginning to blow, and, and we've had a fruitful harvest in our life, but now the fruit begins to fade. But perhaps the time we dread most spiritually is the winter. For we know if we spiritually get into a winter, we might be stuck in a shell and might not be doing anything. Some folks have been in spiritual winter for a long time, and deep down they long for spring. They long for the fresh breezes and anointing of the Holy Spirit, and they long to feel the warmth of God in their life because they have been stuck in this spiritual winter. But I want to move to just a moment back to our text in Genesis. Can you imagine for a moment... The spring fever that Noah and his family must have had. They've been pinned down in the ark and in the dark dampness of that ark for over a year. Now, some people say, well, the flood lasted 40 days and 40 nights. No, that's when it rained and that's when the fountains of the deep opened up. But the ark was literally floating around for over a year. And they've been stuck there. Now, you may enjoy visiting a zoo. You may enjoy going there yourself or with your kids. But most of us wouldn't want to camp out in a floating barn for a solid year. Now, I'd like to share with you just a couple of thoughts with you, if I possibly could, on today's Pathlight program. First off, in Noah's day, the whole world had gone totally crazy. The people of God's created world had forgotten 
their creator. And violence had filled the land, and the day came when God said, I have had enough. Judgment is pending. Now, I say to you, so too is our world today. Violence is filling the earth. Violence and perversion and immorality is filling the land. And one day God is going to say, I have had enough and judgment is coming. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 13, the earth is filled with violence. Prophecies compare the days of Noah to the days of the end of the, of the church age. Jesus gave his disciples a warning in Matthew 24. He said, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. He acknowledges that in the last days, there's going to be a big parallel to the days of Noah when the earth was filled with violence and filled with immorality. When we return and see on the news and read in the headlines that maybe we're returning to the days of Noah, we know that the Lord's coming is, is close. The second thing I want to mention today is I'm glad I'm in the ark. It took Noah and his family some time to complete the building of the ark. And during this time, he was busy not only building the ark, but he was also preaching Actually, the Bible says for 120 years he had been a preacher of righteousness, yet only his immediate family would heed his warning of the, of the coming flood. The total number in Noah's church was eight. Noah and his family. At least his family listened to him. A lot lost a lot of his family because they, they didn't pay any attention to him. But Noah and his family go into the ark, the one and only ark. Let me mention that. There was not a series of arcs. You couldn't go to an ark here. And there's Oh, there's another one 50 miles down the road. Oh, and there's another one 100 miles down the road. No, there's, there's one ark. That's one ark. Just like today, there's only one ark of salvation. Of course, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, he placed me into his family, and I became a member of his body, the church, and I too was placed in the one and only ark of safety for this generation, for this day, for this age, and that is, of course, Jesus Christ himself. Now, I believe the ark was big enough to hold anyone who wanted to be saved. Now, the Lord obviously knew in his foreknowledge that most people would not want to be saved, but I believe the ark would accommodate anybody, anybody. But amazingly, only eight people wanted to be saved. Likewise, today, Jesus Christ will save whosoever will. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the depth of your sin. God's grace is deeper. It doesn't matter the, the, the width of your transgression. God's grace is wider. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what your situation is in life. If you'll come to God in simple childlike faith and repentance, you will be received. You can come into that ark of safety. Everyone alive in Noah's day. Everyone alive in Noah's day, apart from he and his family, had to endure the judgment of the flood, which of course pictured God's wrath against sin. But thank God he did provide a shelter for those who were willing to willing to come inside. The third thing I want to mention in our story today is the world does not appeal to the child of God. If you are a born-again child of God, the world should not be appealing to you. And I think one of the problems in the church today is the world is far too appealing to many Christians. In our text, Noah sends out two birds from the ark, the raven and the dove. Now, the raven is a flesh-eating bird. 
And when he was sent out, I got a feeling he found a feast immediately. Because even though it's been a long time that the waters have been upon the face of the earth, there's still uh, decaying carcasses of animals that are floating and probably people that are floating there. There's death all around and the raven is perfectly at home. He goes to and fro over and over again. Yeah, I'm ready to go out there and, and get some more of this decaying flesh. I mean, he was totally happy. He's a flesh-eating bird. It was at home in the debris. So too is the lost man today. Often the deadness of the world, the decay of the world, the stench of the world has an attraction to the lost soul. Things that you and I as born-again children of God would find totally disgusting, often the world finds alluring. But Noah also sent out a dove. Now the appetite of the dove is far different from that of the raven. The dove is longing for things that are fresh and green. The dove returned to the ark. A babe in Christ desires holiness. Every week the doves of our church return and the doves of your church return to that little ark of safety, which is the sanctuary of your local church. Jesus, of course, is the ark, but, but he, set up these, uh, he set up churches and fellowships where people can assemble together and encourage one another in that ark. The world doesn't appeal to the child of God. We long for the safety of the ark. The dove returned to that ark. The Bible tells you and I in 1 John 2, 15, to love not the world. 1 John 2, 17, the world passes away and the lust thereof. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, don't be as the raven. Don't go out looking for death longing for death and being at home in the death and decay and, 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 and stench of this world. You shouldn't be at home there. And if you are, then something is wrong with your spiritual condition, I will assure you. You know, the, the raven, the buzzard, if you will, he's flying around looking for death. And so are many lost people today. But the Christian, you should be looking for life, looking for life. And that's what the dove was looking for. Four, the Christian is plagued by three great, powerful, and subtle enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're terrible foes we must overcome if we're to be victorious. However, there's but one of those enemies. Think about it. There's but one of those enemies which the Scripture warns us to not be conformed to, and that is the world. God knows that you and I, that you and I are not going to be conformed to the devil if we're Christians, but we can be conformed to the world. We're not going to be conformed to the flesh if we're Christians, but we are going to be conformed to the world. There is the danger. The fourth thing I want to mention is thank God for the olive branch. On the second flight of the dove, he returned to the ark with an olive leaf in his beak. Can you imagine the joy this olive leaf brought to Noah and his family? It was the daffodil of spring. It was the warm breeze of spring upon the budding branch. Talk about spring fever. Can you imagine the excitement? I don't know who received the dove back. I'm assuming it probably was Noah. The dove came in and, and perched there by Noah, and he saw the olive leaf in his, in his beak. I got a feeling Noah took that leaf and went running all throughout the ark to tell his wife, to tell his children, to tell them all. He said, look, look what the dove has brought back. He had a bad case of spring fever. He's excited because now there's life back on the earth again. There's enough dry ground to bring forth 
life. What a blessing it is to have the hope of life. Every week at church, we assemble ourselves together in our little ark of safety. As I said before, Jesus is the real ark. We know that, but we're in him. And as we assemble together, we exhort one another and edify one another, and we encourage one another. Every week we look to the Word of God, and we look to the Word of God together. We're blessed with a glimpse of our hope of heaven. We sing the songs of faith, and we hear the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, like the dove, enraptures our heart with another olive leaf. Every time we meet together, a sign of life. Thank God for the olive, olive leaves. But finally, I want to remind you that soon we'll be going home. After the third flight of the dove, the Bible says the dove returned no more to the ark. Over the years, many dear saints of our ministry and of our church have taken their flight. They have departed from this world to return no more, at least not in this age. But soon, as in this text, Noah and his family will leave the ark also. And to Noah, I don't know what time of the year it was, but to Noah, it was springtime. It was a time of new life. When they walked outside the ark and saw, I believe, budding trees and budding grass and maybe budding flowers. And as they let the animals go and they besaw, saw them be at home in their new environment, oh, it was springtime. I don't know what season of the year it technically was because now after the flood, there are going to be seasons. But I do believe this, that Noah and his family were excited. Talk about spring fever. What a joy to enter this world of warmth and green and, and a little bit of dry ground. You could literally smell the green. Can you imagine for all those months that Noah had not smelled the green, if you will? The flower, the grass, had not smelled that at all. But now... He does. You know, how when I go out in the springtime, boy, and there's a flower beginning to bloom, my, my first reaction is, is to get a whiff of that thing. Boy, that, that smells good. Or in the summertime, later on, when, when the honeysuckle begins, oh, man, that smells, that smells so good. You could feel life growing, and you could sense life growing in abundance all around us, and I believe that's what Noah saw. Talk about spring fever. Are you ready for spring today? You say, well, of course I'm ready for spring. No, no. Are you spiritually ready to take the third flight of the dove? Do you long for the return of Christ, which I say could be any day now? Do you long for heaven if your soul should be required of you? Do you sometimes feel that tug from home, that longing for home? You know, the springtime of the year brings a rebirth of nature, new beginnings. The bright yellow daffodils opened up in a blast of color after the drabness of winter. The dogwoods and red buds bloom and birds begin to sing, and our spiritual life is renewed very much, very much the same way. Now, Noah preached and preached righteousness for 120 years, but almost no one listened. Almost no one paid any attention at all. We too are to share the message of Christ. The same is true for us. We're to share that message of Christ and coming judgment. We share that message of Christ, but few will still wish to listen. 
I don't care if you're a, a seasoned and experienced and eloquent preacher or if you're just just a, a lay person and you're trying to share the gospel as best you can with someone who's a friend. Very few people are going to listen. Noah continued to share his message as long as he could. Now, it's unlikely any of us are going to have 120 years which we can share the gospel. That's, that's, kind, of, that's kind of unlikely. But until the Lord calls me home, until the Lord comes back for me, until then, I'm going to keep on sharing the Word of God. My desire is to share the message God has commanded for me to share. But it's not just for me. It's for all of us. God has commanded all of us to share the message. We're all like Noah right now. We've got a message to share. Judgment is coming to the world. And judgment is coming to every man, woman, and boy, and girl one day. And your only hope is to get inside this ark of safety. No, it's not a ship anymore. It's not a big boat anymore. No, it's Jesus Christ. It's a person. To be in Him. To be in Him. And you'll be safe and you'll be secure and you will ride out the storms of life. And you'll ride out the judgment to come in Him. That's the message I share with you today my dear friend, and that's the message that if you're a born-again child of God that you ought to be sharing with others. That judgment is coming. So until that door of the ark is closed, and one day it will be, you have an opportunity to be saved. I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's Pathlight program. If these programs are a blessing to you in any fashion or form, we enjoy hearing from you. We get comments from time to time on our, on our Facebook site, sometimes negative, many times positive, and we thank you for all that. By the way, if you're listening by way of radio and you say, you know, I have a friend that might, uh, might be helped by this message, uh, but it's too late now. It's already, already going off the air. Well, check out the Go Mix Radio website. I'm sorry, the Go Mix Radio uh, Facebook site. Check out the Christian Bible College Facebook site or the Chris Pathway Academy Facebook site or check out Pathlight Podcast and you'll find not only this message but archives there from the past. Till next time, T.D. Worthington say, may God richly bless you is our prayer.